This is Heather. This is Kelly. And Ella. And you're listening to Living the South Life. So, Kelly, this is our first podcast. And we're here at our offices on Remington Avenue. We bought this little duplex, what, in October, and so you have a studio here, and I have an office here, and Ella has a yard here, Yep. and so this is our first podcast, so we thought we'd start this off with some questions, because we get questions all the time about all kinds of different things. Who we be. Who we be. So, all right, let's start with some questions. What did y'all do before jewelry? Before jewelry. So I think that person knows that there was a company before South Life. Yep. Which was... Lizzie J's. And there was one before that, which not a lot of people know about. Cobra Chords. Cobra Chords. (laughs) That's where it all really began. That's where it all began. So before jewelry, we did... um, I mean, honestly, the honest answer to that question, I guess, would be we were, you were a nurse and I was a pharmaceutical rep. Correct. And um, so you started Cobra Cords. That was the little bracelets that nobody knows about. That's right. And I think that we talk about circles a lot in our life. And like, so we're in the Jerger building downtown now. That's where um, South Life is. Correct. That's where our store is. Yeah. And you went in there when it was Jerger Jewelers talking to them about a clasp on a on a cobra cord bracelet. And now we have a store there. Yep. Yep. So really cool. So I was a uh, a nurse here in Thomasville, Georgia. Um, and Heather was a pharmaceutical rep. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thomasville at the time was the center of her territory. Um, and before we moved to Thomasville, we were living in Bambridge, Georgia, um, and I was driving, and obviously she was driving, so we, that's how we ended up in Thomasville. Um, I got a job here at Archibald, and, and uh, so I got another opportunity to do some home health nursing with pediatrics, and I started doing that um, for about a year, and my uh, patient actually moved um, to Florida so I was in between gigs and I was really tired and burnt out from uh, nursing um, you know it was pretty pretty much 24-7 on call and I didn't have a life and so I was really in a weird weird place and I uh, didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing and um, so I've been in the Air Force after I graduated uh, from high school and I had some uh, some things left over from that endeavor. Um, I was cleaning up our house one day and I was cleaning out a closet and I found some of that stuff. And, uh, it was basically parachute cord is what I, I found that we used to use for all kinds of different making tents and little stuff. And, uh, so I was playing around with it and I made a bracelet. This was before the whole parachute cord <laughs> phenomenon. phenomenon existed. Um, <laughs> And I showed it to some friends, and they're like, oh my God, you ought to try and sell those. And I'd never sold anything before in my life. Um, 
you know, so I, I kept playing with it and made up a couple of different ones and it kind of kept gnawing on me. And uh, so I think I went to Hobby Lobby and bought some little different size wooden dowels and I, I think I super glued those together and made a little stand and uh, that I could put my little parachute cord bracelets on and I didn't know anything about selling to retail stores or so I just started kind of cold calling different little stores around and I got laughed at and thrown out of a couple and then I think you know somebody finally felt sorry for me and and took some in on consignment one time and uh lo and behold you know a week later I get a phone call and and they're like hey those bracelets and keychains you made actually sold and there was a <laughs> element of surprise to their voice and mine and, and um so I was like okay great you know he's like well I've, I've got you some money and why don't you bring me some more so that's that's honestly where our whole uh business started was from that yeah you know yeah our first uh our first show if you'll call it that was the rattlesnake roundup in Wiggum, georgia yes it was where we rented you know a space that we put up a 10 by 10 tent from walmart <laughs> it was super glamorous mm-hmm. um and uh i think the tent ended up tearing up about halfway through the show it's um, freezing cold freezing cold um i think i I think I sold a bracelet and I prepared probably for three weeks for that show. <laughs> um, and then I, <laughs> I think I may have traded some for some other local crafts, you know, um, some honey or something. I don't know. Um, but that was our first, first endeavor into the, the show world. Um, well, don't forget what, what else was in that tent. I mean, we had my... I was running for office at that time, too, Kelly. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had... Yeah, we were double Cobra giving. cords. You had... We did have some bullet jewelry in there. Yeah, I think I just started bullet jewelry at uh-huh. that point. And then we had my political signs in there. So, I mean, we had... Yeah. We were running the gamut. Double and we triple were, dipping. We were getting at the every, 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 every penny <laughs> of that exposure yeah. that uh-huh. we did. Uh-huh. So, um... Well, this is a great segue okay. into the next question okay. of what led to the moment of y'all choosing to quit the medical field, to quit, you know, the other things you were doing to pursue small business full-time? Well, mine was a panic attack in the Henderson's drive-thru. Um, we had, you know, Kelly was, was making and selling the bullet jewelry on consignment. Um, somebody said, oh, you need to go to America's Mart. And, you know, we had no idea what that was. So we went to Atlanta, um, and, and did the wrong show up there. But anyway, over the next year, we kind of found our way at, um, in America's Mart and the bullet jewelry side of the business just exploded. Um, and so, you know, you think about what that was like. That was 2010. That was Miranda Lambert was so hot with, you know, gunpowder and lead. So you went into and Carrie Underwood and some of these other female country artists. And so the bullet jewelry turned into a fashion statement. Um, and so, so we rode that wave. So we were the only people out there doing that. And I would take, I went, I had gotten laid off Mm -hmm. and we took my severance money and decided to, you know, 
do this quote full time, knowing that we would go, I would have to go back to work. Kelly would probably go back to work. Well, it, it started doing so well that um, he kept working it at home and out of our spare bedroom. And then it took over every corner of the house. And so I would take my vacation days and go do shows in Atlanta. And so those shows were actually where other stores come to buy. And so we ended up being in like several hundred accounts and we were working the business and I was back working full time and I would go on my lunch break and, you know, sail in these little towns where I was, was going and calling on doctors. And, um, and so he kept telling me, quit, 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 you know, well, I mean, I had a company car, I had insurance, a 401k, a great salary, mm-hmm. you know, you call it the golden handcuffs. You know, you, we, I had that. We had that security while he was to continue to grow the business. But it got so to the point of um, either we, I stopped doing what I was doing full time or we had to hire somebody to do what I was doing. And um, so I'd gone to a show in Atlanta. On, it was in January, taking some vacation days, come back. And I was in the Henderson's drive-thru here in town, leaving to go to work that day. Got a voicemail from my boss and knew that I could no longer, it was so stressful. I could no longer, you know, do both, ride both horses. And so I called him and he goes, I mean, I've told you to quit. Like, I've told you, quit your job. And so I called my boss and I'm like, look, you know, I just can't, I can't keep doing it. I'm taking my vacation days and I'm this thing's really grown, and uh, he said, "No, like I completely understand." And ever since then, there's never been a day that we've not had more to do in a day than we can get done. And so, I think that was for me. That was when, and I don't even know that we said, "Oh, we're going to start a small business." Like I don't ever remember having that fault. No, I mean to be honest with you, you know, as a nurse, I mean, I think the most. I ever made was $19 an hour, you know, and that was probably with some overtime. I mean, like, that was like a PRN. You didn't that, even get I, benefits I, or anything I didn't like have that. Benefits. I mean, that was a as needed type yeah. thing. So I would just kind of float all over the hospital where they, were, they needed me um, at that time. So I, I was never making a ton of money doing that. Um, but to me, it always started out well, if I can just make. It honestly started out for me because I was in between jobs. I was like, well, if I can just make a couple hundred extra bucks to help with the bills, because Heather's had such a great job, you know, until I could figure out what I wanted to do, you know, when I grew up. Um, I just thought that would help, you know, and, you know, then I started having some pretty decent sales with the bullet jewelry, and, uh, you know, I kind of started doing the whole, well, if I can sell, you know, you know, I'll sell those bullet earrings for ten dollars a piece, right? So, I mean, you start going, well, if I could sell ten pairs, that's a hundred bucks, and you know, if I can sell a hundred pairs, that's what a thousand bucks, you know. And mm-hmm. you start trying to stack that up, and then you know, the wheels start turning, and it's like, well, dang gum. I mean, maybe I could really do something in here. And honestly, before before we even knew what we were doing or how to do anything, I mean, we were we were making more than what we were making at salary jobs, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and at that point, you know, it's, it's kind of funny as a small business owner, I feel like there's always kind of a sweet spot that if you would have just stayed there or, you know, 
you always had that moment of well, where, what if, if I'd have just stayed here and kept doing this, you know, what would life be like? And, you know, there was a, a period, there was a small period in this whole journey where we were making some really daggum good money mm-hmm. and it was just me and you mm-hmm. and, you know, it was, life was good, mm-hmm. you know, um, we didn't have all the overhead of buildings and electric bills and equipment payments and employees and all the things, you know, and it was, a, uh, but, you know, um, there's a sweet spot there, but then also you, you can't, there's a, there's a ceiling there, you know, I mean, either you, you break on through that ceiling and, and you push on to the next level, you know, or else you probably would have ended up dying in that small business at mm-hmm. that, at that place. So, um, I think we've, we've evolved to, Oh yeah. So you learn how to evolve and adapt so that you can stay alive. Yeah, I mean that was the the pivotal thing. Also, literally, is being able to pivot. You know, if we just stayed doing exactly what I started out doing, you know, we we, we would be dead right now. You know, I mean, we probably pivoted a good solid four, five times. Yeah. You know, with our business model, um, and I think that's important for any small business. You have to be able to uh, change and adapt. Or else you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. So, um, next question. So, you guys are obviously owners of Southway, mm-hmm. and now you have an Airbnb. We so do. So the people want to know how long have you wanted to be in, into the Airbnb world? Um, like five minutes ago. <laughs> um, I don't think we ever. I think Kelly and I always view the world as what's the highest and best use for a space or what's the highest and best use for you or a product or, you know, whatever it is that we're always like highest and best, highest and best, because that's where you get the most return. And um, we bought that building in 2018 we worked upstairs, or 2017, I think. 2017. And we worked upstairs for a little while because at that point, that was the highest and best use for that space. Um, and, you know, and we're talking about our building above the Jerker, which is which is our building downtown. Um, and so uh, then in 2020, we decided, hey, like, highest and best use for this space is really an apartment. Um, it also connected our customer with the making process for us to start making everything in front of the customer downstairs. Um, and we saw just, you know, people loved that. So then we got the opportunity to, to buy my grandfather's building, which is Jimmy Sewing back across the street on Broad and Remington. Um, and when we started analyzing that space, we knew that highest and best use of that space, um, was apartments up top, retail down below. There's 10,000 square feet there. And so when we purchased that building in 21, uh, we started doing a developmental study to kind of see what what can this building support, um, you know. And so in doing that, we thought, well, people love coming to Thomasville. They love staying, they would love to stay downtown. There's not a huge opportunity to stay downtown right on Broad Street. Um, so we started exploring that short-term space, that short-term rental space. So we have learned over 14 years the hard way to test your assumptions. And so 
the reason we turned the Jerger uh, apartment into an Airbnb was to test our assumption to see if um, there was actually a market for short-term rentals downtown, and and there is. So the Jerger has done fantastic. It's been rented um, every weekend since October of last year when we put it on the the short-term market. So it's been um, it's been something about you know we've really really enjoyed it. Um, as we've had the time to to get into it. So y'all definitely have to stay tuned because we're starting the process. One thing we learned is that people were so interested in the renovation piece of the Jerger. And so we're going to um, start the journey of Jimmy's Sewing Back Renovation. So everybody will be able to listen to that, watch that, um, tune in to our Instagram and Facebook pages. Macy will be posting stuff every Friday on there. Um, and right now, like right the second, there's a photographer down there starting to document um, that building and that process. So we're really excited um, about that because we just love sharing spaces with people. So, yeah, that's going to be a cool journey to follow. Yep. All right, let's take it back to Southway. Okay. So are you guys planning on opening up another Southway store somewhere else? Absolutely. <laughs> that's a Kelly question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's been my, my vision, you know, the whole time. Um, you know, I was, I was talking about that, that whole sweet spot in a small business, and um, I am so far... You just ignore that sweet I, spot. I have ignored that sweet spot, and I just, I just catapult into the unknown and uh, the ridiculous... So absolutely, I want to open up more South Life stores. I want as many as I can possibly manufacture for. So, and that may only be one more. I don't know. <laughs> so, half another store. I don't know. Um, cool. Yeah. This might be another Kelly question. Okay. Yeah. Will you ever make shoes? Uh, yeah. Have. Actually, hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me break this bad boy out. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where the other one is. <laughs> So two years ago, I went and actually took a, a shoemaking class in Savannah, and I created the most janky flip-flop you've ever seen in your life. They are wearable. I have worn them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. If you know me, like, flip-flops are my... Well, I mean, we live in South Georgia. I mean, yeah. it's early February, and I'm in flip-flops right now. 80 degrees so today. It's, yeah. you know, it's our dress code. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, shoes are definitely uh, in the works. I, I have... Honestly, just bought um, a fair amount of shoemaking equipment. Um, we just bought um, pretty much everything we need to do that. We're making our own steel rule dies now, so we can uh, we can scale a whole um, line of shoes without you know a whole lot of trouble. We we just bought a, a Gerber cutting table, um, which is. Once we get that up and going, I'd like to do a whole video around that. It's a it's a phenomenal piece of equipment that uh, it's basically a CNC machine that we put our leather on, and it will actually uh, we can put the designs into the computer, and it will nest all these designs to give us maximum yield. Um, but I think it'll really help us uh, in making some much better shoe wear <laughs> than what I have in my hand right now. But yes. <laughs> Shoes are a coming. All right. 
we got this question several times, so I think people are really curious because I guess they just don't really understand kind of what happens behind the scenes. Do you guys both make the bags? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. So if you don't know me, um, I don't cook. I don't clean. I'm not very domesticated um, in the view of um, most people, I would guess. So our roles are very opposite, and we have no overlapping skill sets. So um, most people are like, oh, my gosh, that's so great. That's what makes, that's what makes a successful business work. Um, You'd be very surprised. It can be very painful at times, but... No, I cannot sew. So, and Kelly is self-taught. I mean, I think that's important too. You don't have a design degree. You don't have all of this this knowledge, this 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 professional book knowledge. Neither do I. I mean, I have a degree in political science, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, and so everything we've learned has been through the school of hard knocks and yeah. self-taught. And so, you know, no, like we just bought a little a little bakery downtown and everybody that knows that is laughing at us because they know that I don't cook and they're like, how are you going to run a bakery and you don't cook, you know? Um, so luckily I do. Yeah. Luckily so, I do, so guess who's been at the cupcake shop? <laughs> Scott. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. So we do not both sew. Make we do anything. not. No. I, I design and, uh, process every single piece that, that we sell in the store um, and then I disseminate that information to you guys um, and then you know our production manager Ryan uh, has been very instrumental and once we come up you know once I come up with a new design and I process that out I give it to him and uh, he has been really fast on, on learning how to make this stuff um I try to kind of make everything, um, there's not really a formula to it, but I, it, it's all kind of within the same genre, if you will, of manufacturing. So it's not like I'm going to come up with a different piece. You know, the next piece is going to be just way out there in left field manufacturing wise. Um, so it's just been amazing because we've been able to come up with a lot of different designs that you know, I can pass off to you guys and then you guys are taking that and handing it down to what we call our junior makers, which most of the time are high school kids. Um, it's very rare that we actually are bringing, um, you know, adult aged workers into the workshop, um, because we've enjoyed bringing these high school kids in usually, you know, they're 10th grade, I'd say. And so basically what we've kind of evolved into is bring these kids in 10th grade. Um, they start with us and we work them through their senior year of high school. Um, and we have um, really enjoyed that whole process, you know, and it was kind of rough in the beginning. Um, but I think we've kind of got a system in place now to where we, we can work these kids you know, until they graduate, and I mean, some of them are going out and doing some really awesome stuff, you know, I think it's just giving them such a, a cool skill set that I don't think they would have gotten otherwise, so. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay, 
Okay, our last question, it does not surprise me because everyone loves Ella, right? We all right. know that. She's asleep in my lap right now. <laughs> so they want to know, what is Ella's favorite thing to do? Well, her favorite thing to do is cuddle with somebody. So Macy probably spoiled her yeah. the most when she was a little bitty baby girl. Yep. Um, and yes, yes. <laughs> and so she loves to sit in somebody's lap. She wants to be held all the time. She wants to be, she wants to cuddle at home. She's in my lap. Most of the time, if we're sitting down, she's in my lap. She's trying to get in my lap. Um, and so she, I would say her favorite thing to do is to cuddle and sit in somebody's lap. What would you say? Or eat, yeah. Or eat, yeah. She does like to S N A C K. Her and her daddy eat C O O K I E's every night before they go to bed. Mm. So every night. Mm. I love that. Yeah. So she knows where the treats are in the store. Oh, she absolutely knows yes. where the treats are in the store, and people bring her treats. Yes. 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 Yeah, we have so. a downtown police officer. That they are on first name basis. They yeah. are down yeah. like two flat tires. Yeah, he brings so, her a treat almost every day. Every day. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay. Now, if y'all want to kind of like wrap it up in some way, if y'all okay. want to like say, okay. I think I think that's all of our questions. Okay. Like, if y'all want to listen or whatever you want to do. All right. Well, I think that's all of our questions, Kelly. Those are awesome. Those were yep. fun. That was yep. fun. Yeah, I look forward to doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. See you guys. Send in some more questions. The second podcast will be coming up soon.